Hello, and welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Matt Bonet. He's a speaker, writer, consultant, and adventurer. In July 2022, he stage swam 154 kilometers around the world's largest freshwater island to raise money and awareness for multiple sclerosis research. He strives to bring light to dark places, alleviate suffering, and radiate joy. You can learn more about Matt's wellness journey in his upcoming book, Light from Darkness. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Um, Matt, welcome back to the show. Um, Matt Bonet is a gentleman who I just met a few months ago. I was introduced to him through a common friend, Bonnie Kogos, in Canada. And he is a person who has quite a story. He basically alleviates suffering and radiates joy. Now, this sounds a little bit simplistic, except it's true. These are both healing modalities, by the way. And in July 2022, he swam a stage swim 154 kilometers around the world's largest freshwater island, Mantulin, to raise money and awareness for multiple sclerosis. By the way, how long did that take you, Matt? Uh, it, I was in two phases. I actually didn't make the whole island. I made half of it. I tried to do the whole island, but I got hypothermic. <laughs> and then I took a few days to recover. It was a little too cold. Hop back in the North Channel. So I, I nine swimming days. But there was wow, some rest from recovery to, from hypothermia in there. <laughs> wow. So his current mode, he's, he was a teacher in the past. He strives to bring light to dark places by speaking, writing, consulting, and adventuring. And he's a book coming out. Is it today you said it's coming out, Matt? Uh, it's like it's in the being paginated, which is a word I didn't even know existed until I wrote my first book. But it's basically the page layout. And that's supposed to be done about tomorrow. So it should be printed soon. Okay. It's the book's called Light from Darkness, and we just did a podcast with him, so I'd encourage you to listen to the first podcast. It sort of tells you where he came from, which is a very dark place, and his his general nature, personality, energy is just inspiring, and so... Oh, thank you. Yeah, kind. well, I, I think one of my friends pointed out in medicine, you know, only 20% of doctors are comfortable treating chronic disease, and 1% enjoy it. And I found out when I worked with people like yourself, who we consistently could get people out of this hole. It took me a long time to figure this out. But we had hundreds and hundreds of patients go through your story. We were finally able to figure it out. And what I find is it was inspiring. And so I went from a burned out phase to welcoming people with total body pain, fibromyalgia. They were my favorite patients because you have no hope. And you go from where I call the abyss to hope and joy it's incredibly inspiring energy. It's what kept me going for so many years. So I'm excited to hear Matt's story. And so please listen to the first podcast and tell you where he came from, what he's doing. And, you know, doing a nine-day stage swim in cold water. Did you have a wetsuit? You must have had a wetsuit on. I had, right? had, had a sleeveless wetsuit, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's incredible. So it's still cold. <laughs> so, so Matt, just give us a one minute overview of where you were. Cause I know you want to talk about catatonia and that type of thing, functional neurological disorder. So I'm going to let you talk this time. <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, on the first one. So very ill. Like, 
in my 30s, started getting in shape. Like that was a huge one as well. We talked about some other things the last one, but I started doing Spartan racing, which is like obstacle course racing. Uh, and with some friends, like when I signed up for this, I weighed 260, I think. Like I, I couldn't run a kilometer and then just set this crazy goal, but I trained a full year for it. And then a year later did this with my friends. And I think just the healing journey of going from not moving and speaking to then moving and speaking normally again that seemed impossible to me and then also like running this 10 kilometer obstacle course which is hard for uh you know people who are healthier as well like that seemed impossible to me so i kept doing things in my mind which i viewed as impossible for myself just kind of gradually with time and i began to get in a physical shape that i never would have imagined or dreamed of you know just by gradually keeping to show up uh, I was running, doing a lot of these obstacle races, doing a mixed, mar um, doing jujitsu, and then I just broke my foot, so I was a little discouraged. And what led to swimming was, this is the only way I could stay active with a broken foot that I could think of. So I hopped in the pool, and when I started swimming, I couldn't swim 25 meters. Like I couldn't make it across the pool. I was, uh, people were la literally laughing at me at the pool. <laughs> Wow. But I already had the mindset built and established now, like I can learn to swim, you know, I, with everything that I've pulled from my experience, like if I can go from not moving to one of my, I think the furthest I've run is like a 50 kilometer ultra marathon. If I could do that, I can learn to swim, you know, and I think I was able to progress in the swimming so much quicker because of everything I went through. Uh, so I went from not swimming 25 meters and then uh, I just started, we're in, in Sudbury, Ontario here. We have uh, 330 lakes. So I just started swimming across lakes and people would just invite me to their house or their cottage. Uh, they would spot me with their boat or their canoe or kayak. And then they'd feed me. And I spent a summer just swimming across lakes. And in one summer, summer I did 20 of them, you know, like I never would have imagined that. Wow. And then uh, nine months after starting to swim, I, I swam the biggest lake we have here. Uh, which is Lake Wanapate in the greater Sudbury area that's here. And I, that one kind of just went on radio and TV and I'm like, well, here's an opportunity. Let's just see where this goes. And that led to swimming around Manitoulin. So people are like, oh, you must've been a professional swimmer. No, like I went from not swimming at all to halfway around Manitoulin in a year and a half. And I, I do credit it, um, you know, to the hardships I've been through. So we have like, you have PTSD, which is just horrible after a trauma. And but you also have post-traumatic growth. The PTSD can become post-traumatic growth. You can't change what happened to you. You can change your perspective on what happened. And it's telling yourself a story that empowers you instead of belittles you. And that's kind of the main concept behind the book, Light from Darkness. Because what happened is is darkness. It just sucks. It's just horrible. It's just hell. There's there's you think there's nothing good about it, and it's just, like when you're there, it's just horrible. But then it's to make light come from that. You know, it's to make the good come from that. You know, I see example of manure. Manure is shit. You know, <laughs> right. but you could use that to make stuff grow. So that's the main idea behind the book. It's using all of these experiences to empower you instead of belittle you. Because for a long time around that 
period of being sick in my late 20s, I felt great, great shame. I never talked about it or shared with anyone. I just kept that all to myself. I, I tried to block it from my memory as if it never happened to me. And I think a lot of my closest friends don't even know, like from that time, don't even know that I experienced that. Uh, but now I, I've switched it and turned it around. I'm like, no, this is a part of my story that's going to empower me. It's the very fact that I started there and then was able to do these incredible athletic accomplishments. That doesn't belittle me. You know, that I think does the opposite. It empowers me, but not just me, the people I speak to and connect with. You know, it is a story of hope. So I, I think it's it's the realization that your darkness that's what gives you power to give hope. You know, you said you were inspired by your ill patients. Uh, you know, instead of their illness being a source of shame, like healing from this can become a source of pride, you know, and. Right. I call it the, well, actually JK Rowling came up with the um, term. She has, she gave the 1998 Harvard graduation speech, which is an incredible speech was the, um, advantage of extreme suffering and so she came out of extreme poverty and she her story of course is very compelling she you know she's a harry potter author and um and so same thing with me i 15 years in suicidal depression and this is i like to touch on two things really critically here so from my perspective the only obstacle to healing is actually engaging if you decide to heal you will heal it's not magic. And I'm going to maybe suggest something, which I'll see what you think about it. So the light is already in there. There's no question the light's already inside everyone else. We we are basically human drivers to feel safe and to exude light. And I think what happens in, until people talk about the inner child, or from age zero to two, when you're safe and nurtured, you have that sense of safety and peace. Then life starts piling up on us and it just gets buried. So what I'm shocked, I didn't realize this was part of your story. You said you weigh 260 pounds. And how much do you weigh now? Uh, 180. And so looking, you won't see him on your radio, but you look the picture of health. You look as fit as anybody I've seen. And that's a big deal. That's huge. So one of my things I point out, when why would somebody completely neglect their health and to me, it's essentially a slow suicide because you just don't care. Your brain's on fire. You're inflamed. And so why wouldn't why would people not want to feel better? And of course, in medicine, we see this incredible neglect of people's health. Why would you do that? Why would you not want to feel better? The problem is I think it's a conscious it. thing. It's not conscious. You know, I, I don't think yeah. and nobody wants to be sick. Right. And if you want to be sick, then you're sick. You know, <laughs> that's that's not a healthy mindset to have. I don't think nobody wants that for themselves. And yeah. I didn't consciously drive myself there, you know, but that's where I ended up. Well, um, here's the question I have, which is really critical in all my work. But I think for everybody listening, this is a huge question. Okay, so again, anxiety and depression are inflammatory states. Your brain's actually not functioning correctly. Your blood supply shifts from the neo neocortex down to the limbic system. And so it's not, you can't even access your thinking brain and you're buried with this survival physiology, it is miserable beyond words. I call it the abyss. And mm -hmm. so what I'm searching for actively is that, okay, you're in that spot, nothing looks good. Most people feel like they, they can't heal. And people challenge me all the time. Well, I'm like this, but but believe it or not, almost everybody that heals like you, not, of course, you're more, you're pretty exceptional, but this is, you're not this, you're not a, a, an exception. This is what happens. 
when you allow your body to heal, you heal. But what I'm really interested in, if you maybe give some detail on, you went from a pretty tough state, including being really overweight, to as being as fit as I can imagine, doing things that I personally couldn't imagine when I was at your age. I never would have swam around. I don't like swimming. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, neither cool. did I. I learned to love it. But at first, I, I didn't. When I was bad at it, I hated it. <laughs> but I just want to know, there's something happened. I know you went through psychotherapy. But most people aren't even open to psychotherapy. In other words, they don't want to do anything. I mean, they call it learned helplessness is what we I think. Do. Yeah, that's despair. You you get there. Nobody wants to be there. But like the example of fleas, you know, like if you have fleas jumping and then you put them in a jar and you put a lid on it, then they only jump to the height of the lid. And then once right. you remove the lid, they don't jump higher. They forget that they're capable of jumping higher. Really? And so it's like, why aren't you jumping higher? It's like they don't know they're capable of that. Gotcha. So when you're that unwell, you don't even know you're capable of healing. You don't believe it. Right. Because you've tried to. It's not that you haven't tried. It's you've definitely – you've tried everything and you just haven't gotten better. And right. then the circumstances change, you know, and even though the circumstances change, now you can't get better. Like you don't believe it. So why would you, right? So I, I think it's attacking that belief first. That, that is despair. It's – it's the belief, and it you. I think it, sometimes that leap of you can get well is too far. It's the ability that not you will get well, but you can get well. Right. Just that belief is hope. You know, for right. one of my swims, my last swim, the truth is, and I use these swims as metaphors for life, is the truth is that sometimes the current is stronger than you. You know, sometimes you can't outpower that current. And that was one of my last swims. I knew I was going to be finishing against the current. I'm like, what if I swim all day only to fail? Well, if I don't do anything, then I'm guaranteed to fail. That's despair. Like you don't right. do anything. Right. And so okay. turning my arms, I'm not guaranteed success. You're not – maybe this is – I think this is a realist. You're not guaranteed to heal because that's part of the human journey as well is eventually something's going to hit you that you won't heal from. That's just the human journey. But it's the belief that you can and just the belief that you can heal, then you turn your arms, and that's what allows you to get well. Right. And, and I was able to finish that looking, swim. I didn't think I could finish it. But there's something happened when you're in the depths of that darkness that this is where I use the word that I get very frustrated as a physician. Yeah. People remember anger, anxiety, depression are, are physiological inflammatory states. It blocks access to your, access to your thinking brain. And I'm, I'm speaking to people with substance abuse disorders right now that are 48 million people in America. That's one in five people have a substance use problem, alcohol, cocaine, drugs, all sorts of stuff. Why are they doing that? Well, nobody wants to be an addict. I mean, I 40% of my entire surgical practice was with heroin addicts that had infected spines. And they were ridden with anxiety beyond words. Nobody wants to be an addict. Sounds miserable. Most people don't want to be dependent on simple, you know, simple prescription drugs. So, but I can't, I, I couldn't crack this up for 10 years. I had hundreds of stories of people healing, but I had the, and so I thought that would be compelling enough that everybody would jump on board and want to heal. The biggest factor by far and away is that people, I don't know what the situation is. I, I've never been able to figure this out, by the way, I've not been able to crack that nut of how do you get people access to their thinking brain to have even the slightest hint that they want to get better because this learned helplessness is deep it goes very deep so i'm just curious in your experience what happened allowed you, allowed you to get that flicker of light turned on 
like I said, I, I delve into spirituality a lot. And lately I've explored all sorts of different spiritualities. Uh, Buddhism is one that I've been recently exploring. And the first step is there is suffering. And so I think as human beings, we want to jump to step two, which is there's a cause to it. There's a way out of it. And that is all altruistic and all you want to do well. But the first step to getting someone well, I think, is that first truth. There is suffering. It's acknowledging the current situation as it is. Um, and that allows someone to feel seen. And it's your experience matters. What you're going through right now matters. I feel like that's a crucial step to well-being okay. is acknowledging the suffering. And can I story tell for a bit? Can I story tell from my, uh, do we have time for that, for my well, catatonia going in and out? Yeah, no, I want to talk about that because, but I want to know when you're in the darkest part of the darkness, some little light went on, something flickered to understand, okay, there's suffering. So something, but most people don't get to that spot. So I'm curious, so you're in a catatonia. Yeah, no, I definitely want you to talk about this. So let's go ahead. No, yeah, when you're in catatonia, you have no choice but to think, right? It's almost like, a, I think it's my body's defense mechanism. But I'll, I'll speed it up a little bit. But like before going on this mantle and journey, I entered catatonia again. And once again, it was what caused me to enter it was this pure mental agony. It's It's a hard pain to describe, but it's just mental agony. And when you're in that much pain, um, I don't think it's a healthy thought, but it's a normal way. Like I want to end this pain. I want to end this pain. Now you, you think suicidally just because that's, you want the pain to end. And so I've learned for myself, I can't speak for others that catatonia is like an emergency break. Well, you can't act out these thoughts if you can't do anything. So it's like entering catatonia is not like a conscious choice for me. For me, it's, it's like an emergency break. And it's like, now just figure it out, you know? So I'm just trapped in my mind in this horrible space. Um, and it's almost like you have to figure it out. You have to, you're, you have no choice but to be trapped in this complete hell. And I was very angry and resentful at life because I'm like, I did everything right. I, I, I was physically active. I was social. I ate right. I did all the things. And here I am again. And there was just anger and resentment. And it didn't make sense to me. Like, this doesn't make sense. Um. But then I broadened my perspective. I broadened my perspective as broadly as I could. And I said, this doesn't make sense right now, but I can make it make sense. And so I began visualizing myself and imagining myself speaking, public speaking. Like it was absurd. I couldn't speak and I'm visualizing myself speaking. I visualized myself healing from this to help others heal from this. I visualized this crazy swim, even though I couldn't move, you know, oh, and from so this perspective, I gave all of this a sense, you know, I gave all this a meaning. And so what, what that's was the, what allowed me to turn it around. What did the catatonia look like? Were you bed bound catatonic? Yeah. And I mean, so just define catatonia for us. Sure. Uh, maybe this isn't the scientific discussion, but like, um, you, you can't move, you can't speak. You're just, to everybody else, I think people don't think there's any thoughts going on. People think you're a blank slate zombie. Like it, you can't interact with your environment. I, For me personally, I'm 100% aware of everything that's going on, but I can't move, I can't speak, I can't interact. And I, I don't think that's well known that there's this awareness there. Like right. I, I'm treated very much like a non-human when I'm in this state. How long uh, did that but it's just your trap. 
I have a hard time gauging time when I'm like that. The longest this lasts, sometimes it'll be hours. Sometimes it'll be days. Wow. So while you're a catatonic, you visualize yourself swimming. Did I get that right? Yeah. I, I, I broadened the perspective because when I was here now, this didn't make sense. It didn't make sense to me. Right. And like when I was in so much pain that I wanted to take my life and then what allowed me to get out of that, I made the decision. I'm not going to take my life. I'm going to live with this pain. Like when I exited Catatonia, the pain was still there. It wasn't gone, right. but I just made the decision. I'm going to bear it. I was going to bear this unbearable thing and I'm going to get better from it. You know, that right. decision definitely allowed me to pull out of that. That's fascinating. So as we mentioned in the first podcast that, you know, taking control, hope, optimism are all actually anti-inflammatory. In a catatonic state that's not psychological, your body's on fire, your brain's working, and you physically cannot move. And so doctors have this term called hysteria. That means it's just sort of whatever. People think you're psychologically weak, and it's not true. It's just your brain is on fire fire you physically cannot move we call it a conversion reaction or as you use the term functional neurological disorder so i know you some more things you wanted to say about this but i just want to point out to the audience that the situation was pretty darn extreme i know a lot of you are in situations as extreme with a different set of symptoms but in my scenario i have seen anybody can heal i don't care who you are how long how long you've had the pain i have one guy who had 28 surgeries in 20 years and for the last six years, he's never felt better in his entire life. He's like you. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. So so the message I really want to highlight today with Matt, I mean, I'm looking at somebody who weighed 260 pounds. He swims lakes in cold water. And he swims a lot of lakes for a long distance, which is incomprehensible to me. So um, Matt, I know you, you do a lot of public speaking and give messages of hope, which is a very hopeful Thing. For me, the, what the biggest message for me is that it reinforces my observation that anybody can heal. I don't care who you are, what's going on. And so it's that smallest spark that starts to grow. And my, I'll say something that I think you'll agree with, where you don't heal by fixing the darkness, you just turn on the light. And so your brain will develop where it replaces attention. So from a neuroplasticity standpoint, to have a good life, you have to live a good life. It takes repetition and practice and programming. But when, we, when we're always trying to fix the problem and lay blame, from a neuroplasticity standpoint, you're actually reinforcing the problem dramatically. And so Matt's, and we didn't cover nearly what we could cover today, but Matt's story is just classic for the healing concepts that allow people to heal. So what your situation is to me is a miracle, but people forget that life is a miracle. And it's an incredibly complex body. And your body knows how to heal if you just let it. And so, Matt, I mean, your story is incredibly inspiring. Um, we have about five more minutes here. I'm just curious, some general thoughts that you liked, that you're bringing out into the world as you do your speaking and writing, et cetera. What, what are some of the things that you're trying to bring out into the world now? I think that's a big one, too. It's like sometimes just not turning on the light. It's the like the mind-body that's a fake kind of illusion that we created, but light-darkness, too. Right. Maybe it's a weird thing. I use the analogy of water. You know, if I drop a rock into water, it'll create a splash. So the downward motion and the upward motion, one can't exist without the other. Okay. Right? Like the 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 crest and peak of like the bottom and top of the wave are both parts of the same wave. Okay. 
it's like we have this illusion that we have to get rid of all the darkness, you know? Right. Um, but it's, I think it's the opposite. It's, you know, people like say, Matt, you radiate joy. Like you're, and I'm not always that way. I still have these times where I'm very low, but I don't think they're opposites. You know, it's maybe it's a weird, I don't know if you're no, understanding no, you what I'm trying to communicate. Yeah, no, you can't but, feel good unless you feel bad. I mean, that's the problem yeah. with the process. You get to, you know, whereas people want to keep a bandwidth on their emotions, but you can't feel good unless you allow yourself to feel really bad. Exactly. Otherwise, you're numbing. Like I've, I've kind of become a very big observer of my mind, even when I've gone through these sort of depressions. Like I've observed my body kicking into numbness and out, you know. Right. Um, I've noticed that my emotional numbness comes from me avoiding pain. Right. And then once I allow myself to feel that pain, then I can feel again. You know, right. I've kind of observed that in my own in my own mind as I'm experiencing it, you know. Um, so I, th I think that's the biggest one is if you're suffering, if you're in despair, even if you're in despair, there's a sense of shape there. But I think it's those who've been in despair, like I've been in despair. It's you who have the power to give the greatest hope. Right. You know, it's that's it's it's using that very darkness to create light afterwards. It's 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 healing from whatever you're struggling with that's gonna be incredibly inspiring. So instead of being ashamed, um, instead of suffering because you're suffering, instead of feeling a great sense of shame around it, know that you are inspiring by choosing to heal, by choosing to do things, by choosing, like my aunt had multiple sclerosis and, and passed away. Like I saw her pass away from the illness. But the way she behaved in that situation, that hopeless situation, that gave me fire. That gave me inspiration to swim around Manitoulin. Fantastic. You know? So, yeah, Matt, I mean, your story, I can't begin to tell you. I've been through this a lot of years. It took me many years to figure this out myself. I think the science I learned blocked me from learning what you learned. But, I mean, you honestly manifest the deepest level of understanding, not knowing the, the science behind it. You actually represent your journey represents the basic factor of allowing your body to heal. I mean, it's pretty remarkable. Um, your story is remarkable. And people, again, they say, I can't do this. But they, people look at me, uh, you know, because I'm living a good life. I feel good. People don't understand how dark the abyss was. I was there for at least 15 years, maybe longer. And you look at you, you can't really visualize what you were like back then. But I think we can both testify that this abyss is really, really dark. That's where everybody starts by definition. I don't care if your symptoms are really severe or relatively mild. If you have no hope and despair, it's a very dark place. So, very much so. Yeah. So um, anyway, there's many things we can cover here, but I will say one thing, just in light of the current world events, um, people get very upset about all sorts of things around the world, politically, locally, politically, all around the world. And so we get fixated on the darkness and we get upset about it and rightfully so. And a huge message that I have found out, if you want to stay upset about something you have no control over, you actually are actually adding to the darkness. So it's really, really critical that you actually feel more pain watching other people suffer. But if you somehow stay enraged by the suffering, you actually are taking yourself down also. And what Matt is manifesting, which I hope I'm manifesting, is that each person's responsibility is to live a really good life and help people around you. And that's how the world's going to change. It's just 
You are manifesting that, David. I can tell it just by the guests you have on the show and just the whole energy of the show is letting people share their healing stories. So you definitely are manifesting that. Yeah. So for each one of us, the world events are very sad. Um, But your, I'll use the word responsibility, is to live. Because if you don't, if we don't have more people trying to stay alive and actually doing what you've done, um, then it really does get to be really dark. And so, Matt, your story is incredibly inspiring. I'm excited to have you on the show. I'm looking forward to staying in touch and following Thank your you. Journey. And um, very helpful. So, again, Matt has a book coming out um, this week um, called Light from Darkness. And his healing journey is remarkable. I'm sure your public speaking events are really inspiring. Lots of probably positive energy in the room, I'm guessing. Um, so any final words to us, Matt? I think it's have hope. You know, it, it's it's sometimes it's, it's not even a conscious, like sometimes even hope seems too far, right? So my definition of hope is you bring that barrier as small as you can. And maybe it's not a guarantee you're going to get better, but it's the belief that you can. And just that very small belief, like for me, it was wiggling my right pinky finger. Never would have imagined, never would have dreamed it would have led to these incredible swims. You know, so just focus on that very small micro step in front of you and just keep taking these micro steps. And that's your path to wellness. Well, Matt, um, thank you. You sort of fired me up for the day. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> And uh, we'll stay in touch. Right. Yeah, I'm excited. I'd like to thank our guest, Matt Bonet, for being on the show today and explaining how he got better when he changed his perspective on his trauma and his beliefs about himself and his ability to heal. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.